Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. I mean, normally you just start the call and blow it and start, like, ranting about some random stuff that happened to you, and that sort of sets the tone for where we're going to be going. I just started so I, was, I was just kind of waiting for that. I mean, this, this is the new opening, because I just... That's fine. Just, I'm good for I'm, it. Anyway, <laughs> welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm Grognard the Young. The Young Grognard. <laughs> we're back with the Pickens of the Herald of Steel campaign with the uh, adventure line, The Master with the Quest of screams and shadows and the last time we had an episode uh the party had made it to the city of dustwind fancy schmancy sandy city uh where they're on the move trying to find a certain occult master who knew a whole bunch of fancy stuff his name dashmani the wicked and the party uh ended up finding him or at least what they thought was him or welcomed into his home uh, and it turned out it might have been something of like a sting operation of sorts as they got sort of jumped by three members of the Tome Guard. Uh, one of them looking oddly familiar to Klika and one of them oddly noticing Klika. Um, and so I guess we left off with the three Tome Guard, blades drawn, aimed at the party and ready to make big dukes as they say, you know, I think the last thing that they were talking about officially was asking what your business there was and why you're asking about the certain cultist syndicate that was last known to be plotting to kill the queen. And I guess we left off with you guys explaining yourselves. So back in character, the strong woman in the front holding the blade, the silvered blade to you guys, she says, um, I don't know, the fuck you doing here looking for the cult? Not all at once. Well, Anton kind of just gets up for the group, but he kind of puts the lantern on the table to give his position of, we are doing this on behalf of the queen. I doubt that servants of the light, especially as myself, would do anything to want to involve ourselves with the cult. We are trying to get away from the cult to stop the cult. And so that they say, this is fair, but understand that this cult has deep-reaching roots, and they are masters of subterfuge and these sorts of disguises. You can flaunt that lantern all you would like to, but unfortunately, I've seen greater disguises. And as far as I can tell, there's no reason you should speak to Dashmani. Anything you can get from him, you can get from me too. So what is your business here with him? Why are you trying to find out more about this cult? Trying to prevent such things from happening? What, what is your business with this? We are trying uh, to understand. 
Um, yeah, we're trying to protect the queen. She told us to come here and look for Dashmani because he might be able to help us stop the cult. And so with that, the uh, lady looks back to the two people and one of them hasn't broken eye contact with Klika this entire time. He's kind of still in almost like a state of shock, but also like that confusion, that feeling when you recognize somebody, but you're not sure if it's them because they look a little bit different and you're afraid to walk up and say something. Yeah. And so with that, they kind of like nudge back and forth to one another. And the lady turns around and she says, if this is true, then where is the queen now? She has not been seen in council or at the castle in some time. Perhaps you can tell us such things if you happen to be so close with this queen. How do we know that you are disguised members of the Eyes of Failure trying to strike at the queen? And so with that, all of a sudden, black clouds puff up and they're like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but with that, the, uh, the lady in the front, she kind of like shifts her posture and she says, do you suspect that they'd be able to match our looks? That they'd be able to pull off such disguises as what we bring to the table? Well, it seems possible, judging by the fact that you thought we could be members in disguise. And so with that, she kind of shifts her weight a little bit. And she we, says... We definitely saw them just come out of like a bookcase one time. So... They are pretty sneaky. And so with that, she shifts her weight a little bit to the side, and she says, fine, if I am to believe that you're actually in accordance working alongside the queen, you can trust that we're not doing anything other than trying to protect the realms itself. We do not care for the fate of Amaroth. We care only for the fate of all peoples. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. Queens die and queens live. Our business is with protecting everyone. This cult has a lot of power to it, and we've noticed some strange happenings in the area and strange happenings with magics. We're trying to get to the bottom of it, and we're afraid that the queen being the target of this whole thing might be some clue as to what's going on. If you tell us that you know where the queen is and inform us of her business, perhaps we can work together and you can speak with Dashmani himself. Um, Norhill's going to kind of look to the rest of the party. Um, does he get any signals that he shouldn't say that he shouldn't say anything? I think, I think Anton's just going to step into the say, with the position and relationship with the queen right now, we cannot divulge her location. She is in hiding for herself to keep her safe from the eyes of failure. We know your, we know your group may assist with this, but we must keep her own safety in mind as well. And she says, and there is absolutely nothing that could penetrate this room. We, using our magics, have made it so there are no scrying eyes, no prying eyes. And that's why you would have had no idea that that Dashmani was actually an illusion. No magic may perpetrate this place. You can tell us. Can I roll a um, insight? Yeah. God, I wish you would. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Seems legit with a seven. 18. Yeah, I mean, they seem legit. Pragmatic, cold, but legit. Um, Klika thinks we can 
trust the Tome Guard with the Queen's location. And um, Kalika will vouch for her friends here, too. Um, so, um, hi, Corin. And so with that, he just kind of, like, in a very, like, awkward way, he just says, uh, hi, How, how's it going? Uh, we're, we're, I'm on a quest from the queen now, so it's good. Clink has seen a lot of crazy stuff. He says, I haven't seen you in quite some time. Yeah, Clink has been around, bouncing, trying to find some place that she fits in. So that the leader of the troop here, she turns to Corin and the guy who recognized you and says, I'm sorry, is there something that I'm not aware of? How is it that you know this goblin? And so with that, uh, he, without really missing much of a beat, he's like, I, uh, we found her and helped her get back on her way. And the whole time, there's a look to him as if he's, like, seen a ghost or something like that. And so that she looks back at him, then looks back at you, her eyebrow pretty much reaching her hairline in, in a level of, like, incredulous, like, what the hell are you people talking about? And so he just says, it's nothing. It just, you know, it, it was a mission from the past, probably one of the first things I did. And so she says, great. Well, that's not important. In any case, she turns back to you and she says, so now that we've vouched for our friends and have a level of trust here, where is your queen? Anton just raises a hand. He sets up his ring from Cherise, sets it to either ink or graphite, whatever he can write up right on the table and easily wipe off. He diverges the location of within castle disguised. So with that, she, again, has another incredulous look on her face, and she says, you can say it out loud. You can say all of this out loud. You're under the protection. He, he just he just, he just, just shrugs. He, he's he's got to be. Yeah, yeah. so, Cleek, you know this guy, right? Mm. Cool. Okay, friend of a friend. Okay, yeah, you're all good. Uh, Jarzak was just worried I would have to go in a fight mode. Uh, uh, Jarzak will fill them in on where the queen is and disguised and all that and how she looks now right 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 so we'll say that after anton writes in the castle they're all like listen you can you can actually tell us and jar's like wait like wait for real and then he says yeah she's disguised in the castle and so with that they're like that would make sense that much stonework could probably hide most from most kinds of scrying magic i'm sure her treasury has plenty of trinkets that could yeah this all checks out and with that they say We'll have to send a contingent to the uh, castle and go check on things. Thank you for your information. I said, yeah, if you'd like to, you can speak with Dashmani, but he's nothing more than an awful and cold and wicked codger. Unfortunately, he's not going to be able to leave the presence of this place, and he's not going to be able to leave our protection. Not for, uh, not for some time, not till this is all sorted out. I'm sure you understand. As long as he is alive and not I being can tortured. certainly understand the caution. So with that, um, she says, Corin, if you'll please close your jaw and, you know, maybe get on with your life. Maybe stop thinking about the past and this uh, creature. Go get Dashmani. And with that, he just kind of like shakes out of it in like a kind of way. And he goes to the back pulls open a doorway and an old man comes kind of shambling out 
and he looks absolutely identical to the illusion that came out before and he hobbles into the center of the room and he stands there kind of almost like knowingly in a presence aware of how many people are there just having listened in but he uh stares forward into nothingness and he just kind of sits there with a real real cranky old man grimace on his face and just sort of like a ah, kind of attitude and so with that corin says well ask away Who pulls the strings of the eyes of failure? And Dashmani, under his breath, kind of grovels a little bit. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like he says something to the effect of amateurs, moronic amateurs. Um, where can we find these moronic amateurs? And he, in a more room-volumed voice, says, apparently everywhere in my house. Klika starts looking around. Check the bookcases. <laughs> <laughs> and so with that, he says, you people think you have to keep tabs on me. Oh, what? Because I know things. All of a sudden, now I'm a real threat. And with that, the lady who's in charge of the guard turns and she says, you'll watch your mouth, old man. If you speak to us in this way, we'll do things to you that you wouldn't even understand the pain. And so with that, he says, as a man who studies occultism, I think I have an understanding of pain. And so with that, he just kind of shrugs a little bit, almost smug in his resolve. And he says, is it really that hard to tell who pulls the strings? The eyes of failure take a wild guess. Unless it's failure itself, the god. And so with that, you. he just makes like a pop noise with his mouth. Question, out of character, is there any way as a cleric I could commune with other gods? Like, or will that kind of like mess up my yeah, power? Failure. Like, <laughs> hey. Hey, you up? <laughs> yeah, you up. <laughs> W-Y-D, bro. <laughs> oh, you know, just eating mortals. Sending them to the rings of hell. Um, I mean, no. I mean, you could try to pray to other gods but the concept of them just answering some schmuck on the side is going to be yeah mm. not likely okay and so with that he says yeah unfortunately the uh name doesn't leave very much the imagination failure does not walk this realm and hasn't in some time but i think the emanations that these uh Find sorts we're talking about earlier. These emanations might be hint that perhaps something walks the plains again. And with that, the woman steps forward and she says, now if you knew that all along, why would you not have told us that days ago when we first came here? And he says, because she's being threatened with torture. Yeah, you're coming on a bit hot there. <laughs> and with that, he says, honestly, I like to be a little wine to dine first. Like, you gross old man. And so with that, he just kind of like smirks a little bit to himself and you can see his little corn cobby teeth as he like... <laughs> but with that, he pulls back his resolve and he says, so you came here to my home to torture me and then you just want to know about who's in charge? What good will that do? What, are you going to find them? Crawl into their hole? Bring the light? 
That would be the that would be the idea, yes. That wouldn't be the best idea. Light cannot exist without darkness. Regardless, we need to figure out why, one, this group is going after the queen, and two, if this has any relation with all the natural or unnatural catastrophes that have been popping up around Amaroth. He says, tell me, is it the strong arm of evil that does pain? Or is it the blade that it carries in its hand? Perhaps the blade is not an extension of the strength of the arm. And perhaps the blade is nothing more than something tempered in heat, something used, cast aside when blunt and broken. Perhaps you know the answer well enough that this is not your truest enemy and nothing more than the blade. But I'm sure you all knew that well before this. Failure. The so you're saying this is a, there's an avatar of failure. What? There's an avatar of him. I, it. I think the point he's trying to get across is that if there is evil amongst the world, it's probably not just failure and failure, as you guys know, being hired assassins and trained mercenaries. It's likely the case that these guys are just the tool and something far more evil and sinister is afoot. Um, Mr. Dashmani, sir, what do you know about the Herald of Steel? And so that he sort of chortles a little bit and he says, my, how things die so slowly. Hmm. You know, it is strange to think about how things rot and decay. Hundreds of years may pass, and those things that linger, maybe it's spite. Maybe it's the bones of the earth begging for a second chance. Or maybe it's the spite of purest evil. The Herald of Steel. Perhaps it's just another poster child for another death cult. Maybe a nice vision for one of them to have dreamed up and used to trick the innocent into joining their ranks. What do I think? I think there is something far more sinister than anything we've seen before. And I think it's coming. And I think it wants pain and chaos for all. Your prose is a lot more cryptic in person than it is in your writing. Thank you. I'll be here all week. And so with that, he just sort of shifts his weight to his side a little bit, leaning on his leg in an uncomfortable way. Is that all you guys wanted to talk to him about? Well, be that as it may, uh, threat is a threat, and we need to hammer in the nail that sticks out the furthest. One way or another, we need to deal with the eyes of failure as a threat to the queen and to Amaroth as a whole. Uh, only then will we be able to turn our, turn our eyes to the more esoteric threats that face us. Well so, spoken, dwarf. Truly, the nail will be hammered in. As he kind of just like lifts his head a little bit, 
almost like getting you to like nostril level instead, like tilting his head back. So his nose is more fresh to the room and he kind of tilts his head back with a couple of little gentle sniffs. And he says, the smell of pain follows you here. I smell acrid smoke, decay and blood. Each and every one of you carries with you death, pain, and I fear a fate that you cannot outrun. Yes, I may show you one who knows where to find the nail, but if you are to be the hammer, I'm afraid you may not all survive. And so with that, the three knights there, the Tome Guard, kind of shift and shuffle a little bit, almost in anger at the fact that, like, they, you know what I mean, have been asking this exact question, looking to get to the bottom of it. You schmucks come in and are like, what's the answer? And he's like, seven. And you're like, what the fucking? And so with that, the lady steps forward and she says, if you think you're going to go on this quest alone to find whoever he's sending you to or wherever he's sending you to, you have another thing coming. I will be in charge of this quest. This, these are the matters of the Tome Guard. And so with that, he kind of just lets out a raspy cough and he says, you sound like the one with the lantern. So obsessed with what you have to do. But unfortunately, the one with the lantern is the only one who understands the balance. Truly, where there is light, there must be darkness. And where there is darkness, there must be light. You I mean, cannot destroy failure. Nothing could destroy living dark. But if you expunge those who manipulate, you may push it away. There is one I know of, one who I contact. He knows the way, but unfortunately, he has given up much of those old ways and he is not much of his former self. I think speaking even of these certain dark things it may bring more innocent than help to your case. He is not easy to find, and he is not a kind man. His name is Obroth Dashmaro. Wait, did I say Dashmaro? Hold on, I wanna make sure I got that last name right. Oh, Dasmaro. Not Dashmani, but Dasmaro. Because <laughs> there's the Dush Mama and the Dush Papa. Okay, here we go. You love to do this to yourself, don't you? There are there are there are Dush many Dush Mani, but there is only one Dush Maro. But no, his his name is Obroth. He hides now in Elven lands where he cannot be convicted of his crimes. Which elven lands? <clears throat> so as you guys are aware, the only elven lands in this general like area in like the greater Amaroth, um, that's the uh, the elven wood there. Uh, I want to make sure I pronounce this right. I believe it is. The elven wood is known as Thalvir. Wait, why did I say that in his voice? That's something I would tell you. You guys know that. The Elven Lands are known as Thalvir. Um, but the actual city, like the main place where all the elves live, is known as Aesiris. And Aesiris is like this deeply protected elven magical homeland that people don't really get to come into contact with. 
And it's suggested that the elves here are in some way immortal, but that's kind of like just the running knowledge everybody has. But this place is also not very kind to people and trespassers are not treated well. Nothing like a challenge. He mentions that in the Northern woods, there is a place that he calls home. It is closer to the lands of mankind than anywhere else. But that does not mean the elves do not have their homeland ties. I warn you that if you are being followed by the eyes of failure and you bring them to elven lands, the elves will not be happy. But I do wish you the best of luck with this. Thank you for your knowledge and we'll do our best to not be followed, but if this threat is as great as you say, the eyes of failure will reach them eventually with or without our guidance. And so with that, he just gives a couple of nods and he says, you must follow the ivy. That is the only hint I can give you. Very well. So again, we thank you very much for your assistance. And I kind of turn toward the tome guard, the tome guard, and I just say, I don't know if we should travel together. I don't know if our group, if it would be smarter, wiser to travel separately to the same place. Um, so with that, what'd you say? I, he, he did say some of us will probably not make it. So if they're with us, that's fine. I'd rather us survive. And I do that while just like looking to all of them. <laughs> Thus far, the eyes have only attacked us in small groups. Traveling in a larger company may keep them at bay. And so with that, the uh, Corin has been looking at Klika again this whole time, and that sort of like weird, like ghost kind of like weird visage sort of thingy there. And he, he still looks a little bit flustered as if maybe he could have had something to say during all this, but he didn't. And instead the other guy in the room looks over at the lady and says, you can't be seriously tolerating this talk, can you? And she says, not one word of it. You have no ability to tell us what we're going to do. And I will not take advice on this matter. I am in charge here. Him giving you that information is nothing more than acting as a translator. You've done your part here. And now I am taking over. You yeah, have no rain here. That's fine. You can accompany us to the elven woods. That's fine. And she says, I'll abandon you. I will send in my ranks. I'll leave you for dead out in the woods. I do not care. When it comes to matters as grave as this, you would be nothing more than dust in my way that I will merely trample and step past. I have killed far stronger, far worse opponents than you. And I would not be afraid to kill another to protect the homeland. Hmm. Death is not the only resolution. And she says, no, but it's the quickest, and I'm here for pragmatics. Well, I don't question your honor as a veteran, certainly not. However, each of us is a skilled combatant in our own rights. Uh, you are looking at the sole survivors of the Battle of the Valley of Lamenting Vines. That should tell you that we're at least minimally capable compared to you. And so that she looks to you in a way that, like, I, that's like that's like being brought in for like a police hearing about like having stolen something and you're like listen lady i was too busy burning down a building that day i didn't do it <laughs> he just like looks to you with like a hold on you were there 
And so she looks at you with a look of like fear. Like she, she just looks pissed at this point. She says, you were there. On the queen's Why shouldn't orders? we have been? We were the queen's messengers in that regard. She, I wasn't just going to leave those people to fight that battle. She steps forward in a way that looks both hostile as well as like so brutally curious as if like she has no time for you to play games with her on this. She says, what did you see that day in the stones? We didn't see anything. The stones came to life and swallowed up everybody but us. Jar's like, ain't seen shit. The stones came up. And you're like, Norhel, stop. And with that, she looks to you with like a look of um, like bumfuzzlement that you've never seen before as her jaw hangs open and loose. And she says, so it's true. And so with that, you hear the uh, Dashmani in the back and he kind of chortles a little bit to himself and he says, <laughs> Herald of Steel, they say. Yes, it's true, I suppose. And with that, she says, and you survived? Well, the skin of our teeth, but yes. And so she begins to put her hand to her blade and she starts to pull it out a little bit. And she says, there's only one way that you would have survived that sort of an occasion. Are you? And so with that, she seems to like run like a hundred different options through her head. And she takes one step backwards, pulls a blade out at full length and holds it towards you guys. And she says, spies or potentially working with the enemy. She says, there's no reason why you would have survived such a tragedy. And with that, Corin steps forward and he, he lowers the blade for her and he like starts to push it down into the side and he says, no. And he looks over at Klika for a moment and he says, I don't think that that's possible. He says, I can't really explain what it is, but I just look at her. And then she looks over at Klika as well and he says, I just, there's no way. And she lifts an eyebrow, looks back at him, and she's just like, you're crazy. You dare defy me? And he says, I will defy all rank and order if it means to protect this one. And he looks over at Klika and he says, you can go. And he pulls out his blade and he holds it sort of directed at her. And he says, I'll die making sure that she leaves here. Um, no. Klika doesn't want you to die it's we're not spies we got lucky Klika used some magic to save her in Norhill and wasn't able to save anyone else but we were we were just lucky Klika's only ever ever been lucky and so with that they both kind of look to you slowly after breaking their steel gaze on one another and they put their blades away and she says fair enough she looks at Corin again and you see that his gaze is steel as well and she says perhaps with the information we've gained we'll go check on the queen instead and so with that she kind of ducks her head a little bit and she says you are free to leave we must debrief with Dashmani And then Norhill sort of gives, like, you know, a, a dwarven style bow. Like, all right, thanks. So with that. Um, Klika's going to walk up to the lady in charge. 
and ruffle through her packs and pull out uh, the amulet of the Tome Guard that we found on the Fallen Tome Guard. Now, when you said you walked up to her, I thought you meant you walked up to that lady and you just started ruffling through her bag and then grabbed oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> no. Um, when we first encountered um, some of the Eyes of Felior, they were attacking one of your own. We weren't fast enough to save them, but with their information, we were able to save the town of Glent and... Um, here's her necklace that identifies her as a tome guard. And so with that, she looks down at it as it falls into her hand. Um, and she looks at it for a moment and she says, oh God, she says, this is guardian Thelia. She left on some sort of mission reconnaissance in the area. And so with that, she looks up at you guys with a look and sees each and every one of you with like a look like, I don't want to say like it imagined that you guys would all have sort of like a haggard, tired, like we just want to get out of here and get on with the rest of this look on your faces. But there's a look of like, why the fuck would we lie to you about this at this point? You know what I mean? And so she looks at all of you as she rolls her like steeled gaze over each and every one of you. And she says, and you found her dead? Yeah, we got there just moments too late. Who killed her? The eyes. So two of their agents were upon her. So that she just kind of like looks back and forth amongst all of you and she says, Very well. I hope that you will all do well on your trip to finding Obroth. And I wish you the best of luck. And she kind of like relinquishes like one single tear rolls down her cheek. And she says, I appreciate you having brought some level of vengeance and some level of dignity to Thalia's namesake. Know that she kind of closes the uh, insignia in her palm and puts it into her like little satchel that she's got, and she says, "Be gone." Uh, on our way out in Orkish, I'd like to talk to Dashmani real quick and just be like, "Are you good if we leave you here with these guys?" And so with that, he kind of chuckles and chortles a little bit, and he says, "I smelled only blood." And pain and torment on you, Jarzak. Uh, with th- he said that in Orkish? Okay, uh, Jarzak just chuckles and smiles at him. He says, gifts easily gained are gifts that are easily taken. Perhaps it's not too late. And he turns to you knowingly showing off his incredibly pale, like irisless eyes as he looks towards you and he says, perhaps... It's not too late for you. And he pats you on the shoulder a couple times, smiling his little corncobby smile, and lets you go. Okay. <laughs> Jarzak's well like, well, you know, he's like, I'm seeing some parallels, but one big flaw. I can't read. Uh, 
<laughs> but anyway, turns out if you spell Dosh Money backwards, it's just Jarzak. Dun dun dun. Ah. <laughs> and now everyone's wondering how the fuck does he spell Jarzak? <laughs> It's an orcus. It's it's not the same. Um, uh, yeah. Check out the pronunciation guide now. <laughs> so with that, the uh, party leaves. Yeah, I, I think Klika's just gonna before she leaves, turn back to the Tome Guard and say, "Um, thank you for giving Klika a chance again," and then she'll head out. Fair enough. And so with that, he just kind of gives you know a couple of nods. And the lady sort of gives you all a knowing nod as well. And you can tell that she's fighting back tears continually as if whoever this Thelia lady must have been, it must have been somebody important to her. But with that, the party walks out back into the sandy streets of Dustwind. And what's the plan? Did you guys want to try to get over there right away? It's about two o'clock now. So it would make sense if you guys would like to stay here for the night or you could try to leave the city. How many days travel is it going to be? Do we know? Um, anybody with a decent understanding of the uh, geography of Amaroth knows this is probably going to be about a week's travel on horseback. Oh my. And that's if you guys are hustling. Yeah, definitely let's spend the night and get a fresh start in the morning. The other big thing is that there is a road that leads to the Elven Wood. So it's not it's not like it's, you know, it's a lot longer travel than it would seem. It's just an easier travel, and especially by way of like the little highway thing there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I know there might be Klika's friends, one of them at least. But I, I wouldn't trust those guys as far as I can throw them. I yeah. kind of like to get a jump on getting there before they do. Oh, good old Tome Guard. Because you know. They jump to torture with this guy. What are they going to do with someone higher up, like with their hand in the pot? You know. I'm skeptical because I know where the queen is now, but. Yeah, I was trying not to give that away, but that went out the window. Ooh. Um. Okay. And so that the party can stay at any number of inns in the area. The going rate for staying at an inn in a place like this is probably going to be for the whole lot of you guys in like a community room. Did you want to stay somewhere nice or somewhere kind of crappy? Um, does Dustwind have walls? Uh, no. Right. Uh, well, the inner yeah, sanctuary. Norhill will re- recommend staying um, as close to you know the road leading west. Uh, towards the elves as possible. Okay. I mean, this place is kind of its own little pit. It's like kind of creviced in the mountain space as well. So it's like, there's really no place that's closest to it. There's pretty much one road out and one road in. So, but in any case, I imagine you guys probably go back to the uh, Traveler's District there, um, the passage as it is, and you guys stay at a decent enough place. It's going to be about a gold piece for a community room for all four of you guys. And then meals for the evening, it'll be about two gold for everybody. Cover it. I'll get three gold. And so with that, the party spends the night sampling on food that is kind of strange, a little bit different than what you guys are used to. Um, 
after taking a pretty good look at the pot of the food that's being served to you guys, you can tell that this must be some sort of like cactus fruit that's been brewed up and sort of fermented to the point that it's like a sour kind of liquor sort of dealio going on here, but watered down and warmed up so that it's a very strange kind of whiny flavor. But the overall like meat that you guys are eating seems to be some sort of like giant scorpion or some sort of like giant spider like meat that's been kind of cracked out of the carapace and roasted. So it's definitely strange. It's not the greatest flavor on earth, but it's definitely one that makes you guys feel a little bit, you know, longing for your standard. Is it, at, at is, home. It like yeah. a, is it like a land lobster kind of meat? Land lobster. Yeah. <laughs> How many rock lobster references have we made so far? Land lobster. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think Clico would have some point if she has time like to go around the um grand market and just see if she can find any information about the dragon fountain specifically she wants to know what the two bronze dragons were in a debate about Hmm. so i think probably one of the best bets is Um, there is something of a grand library inside of the inner sanctum that you might be able to travel to, but if I can do that within the time frame before tomorrow, once you guys get an inn nailed down and it's on the main road, it's, you know, about 30 minutes walk back to the inner sanctum and getting into that giant library, seeing you and seeing the fact that you're not like, I don't know, super strange. I mean, you're strange, but not super strange. Um, they ask you to pay a silver piece to enter the library. Okay. And once in there, um, you walk in and you can see that there's any number of huge bookshelves with well-tended scrolls and books, all, you know, uh, well-tended to and well-taken care of. Um, you can see any number of attendants walking around in fine robes, taking care of the place. And you see lots of well-to-do people also kind of sitting and reading and looking through texts. Um, but as you go around a corner in one of the sections that seems to be more about the city itself, you see like a miniature diorama of the inner sanctum itself, the whole sort of, you know, architectural structure that you guys are, uh, well, that you're in at least right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and once you walk over and look at the little mini model and see all the tons of tiny little people all over the place inside of it, um, an old man comes walking up behind you. And he puts his hands down next to the model where you're standing. And he looks over at you and he says in sort of this weirdly knowing voice. And he says, my, a beautiful little model indeed. Yeah, I like the little people. And you look up and you see that his hair is a strange orangey blonde kind of color. But it pulls back into something of a long, how do I want to say it? His hair looks especially dry. And it looks very like frizzy, but he also looks like he's probably an 80 year old human man. And the fact that his hair has retained this much color is kind of strange, but he wears what looks to be like simple gray robes. And he looks to be something of one of the librarians as well. And he looks down at you and he says, what brings you to a place like this little one? Um, well, I'm Klika and I just want to learn about the dragon statue that's in the uh, market. Um, it looked like they were having a debate or 
an argument, and I just want to know what they were trying to figure out. And so the... well, you see, one of the dragons said that an argument was just being contrary, and the other <laughs> one disagreed. Oh, I thought they were just bargaining for like a flea market item. Hidden <laughs> deep within the statue's recess is just one poorly beaten up copy of uh, SNES Earthbound, and they're both arguing over who gets to buy found it first and gets to buy it at the flea market. Very good. And so with that he kind of chuckles a little bit to himself and he says, it is the funny part about dragons, isn't it? Those, those strange brass dragons, isn't it? They have such a strange affinity with argumentation and discussion. Do you know much of dragons, child? Um, no. Klika knows a lot of their words and um... Don't tell anybody, but Klika has a little bit of dragon in her. And he says, I think we all have a little bit of dragon in us. I think we all happen to be references to some sort of dragons at some point. For our dragons, not just radical representations of all that it means to be alive and well. Certain aspects, perhaps, of the chromatic dragons is not necessarily stuff we like to embody. But have we not all been greedy at one point? perhaps fixated on our own greatness. Truly, the dragons reference us, and we've referenced them. Klika's writing all of this down. <laughs> and so with that, he kind of like puts a hand on your notepad or whatever you're writing on, and he says, oh, please, the written word has so many failings to it. It's much better just to embrace the oratory and speech. So how much is Kleeko willing to be enthralled by story time? Mm, pretty willing. I mean, she mostly came here on like sort of a whim because of that feeling she got while she was in the market. But like she's not super dedicated to digging through tomes and all that stuff. Okay. So with that, uh, Kleeko never comes home that night. And the party uh, have dinner without her, wondering where she may have wandered off to in the Grand Market, as I imagine she probably didn't tell anybody when she left. Is that right? I mean, I think she probably would have let them know that she was going to go, like, look around the town and stuff. And, like, that she just wanted to take in the sights or something similar to that. Yeah, I I didn't want to interrupt all that, but I was going to say that Jarzak would have probably gone with Klika. Not to really do any reading, but just to like get books off the top shelf or whatever Kleeka needed. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. You guys were deep in it, so I didn't say oh, anything. I'm just like, I I wouldn't just let Kleeka split off solo. <laughs> hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. You okay. can also so, say that Kleeka lost Jarzak at some point. I, I mean, I would have probably dozed that story time. Like you, you were way too deep in it. I fell asleep. <laughs> He's just like, well, it began a long time ago. Jarzak just head to desert. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. And that's where we're going to end it with Jarzak and Kleeka not coming home. Goodbye. Hey, everybody. It's the young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks.